Chapter Thirteen of With Clive in India. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Gary Ullman. An attempt at murder. The house of which the bedroom occupied by Charlie formed part was elsewhere, two stories higher. This room jutting out alone into the angle of the wall. The rest of the suite of rooms were in the house itself but access could be obtained to this room through the window, which looked on to the terrace of the wall. Charlie's lieutenants always took pains to place men upon whom they could thoroughly rely as sentries on this terrace. One night, a fortnight after the events which had been described, Charlie was asleep on his bed on the flats above his room. On one side, the house rose straight beside it. On two others was the fall to the valley. On the fourth side was the wall, along which two sentries were pacing to and fro. From time to time, from a door some distance along the side of the house, opening on to the wall, a white figure came out, stretched himself as if unable to sleep, looked for a while over the parapet down into the valley, appeared to listen intently, and then sauntered into the house again. It was the cook who seen it was his custom successive centuries had for many nights past seen him do the same but in a country where the nights are hot a sleepless servant attracts but little attention upon the occasion of one of these visits to the parapet he stood in an attitude of deep attention longer than usual then he carelessly sauntered back it was but a moment later that his face appeared at the window next to that of charlie's bedroom he stretched his head out and again listened intently. Then he went to Tim, who was sleeping heavily on a couch placed there, and touched him. He put his hand on his lips as Tim sprang up. Take arm, he said in Hindustani. Bad man coming. Tim understood the words, and seizing the sword and pistol which lay close to the bedside, followed Hossein, who had glided up the stairs with a drawn tulwar in his hand. At the moment he did so, there was a noise of heavy bodies dropping, followed by a sudden shot from Charlie. There was a sound of clashing of arms and the report of a pistol. As Tim's eyes came on a level with the terrace, he saw Hossein bound with uplifted blade into the midst of a group of men in a corner. Three times the blade rose and fell, and each time a loud shriek followed. Then he disappeared in the midst. Tim was but a few seconds behind him, discharging his pistol into the body of one of the men and running his sword into another. He, too, stood by the side of his master. Charlie, streaming with blood, was half sitting, half lying in the angle of the parapet. Hussein, his turban off, his long hair streaming down his back, was standing over him, fighting furiously against some ten men who still pressed forward, while several others lay upon the ground. In spite of the arrival of Charlie's two allies, they still pressed forward, but the shots of the pistols had been echoed by the muskets of the sentry. Loud shots were heard, showing that the alarm was sounding through the palace. One more desperate effort the assailants made to beat the two men who opposed them over the parapet, but Hossein and the Irishman stood firm. The weight numbers of their opponents, however, told upon them. When the first of the sentries appeared upon the platform, 
followed closely by his comrade, and both with leveled bayonets charged into the fray. The assailants now thought only of escape, but their position was a desperate one. Some rushed to the end of the terrace and tried to climb the ropes by which they had slid down from the upper roof of the house. Others endeavored to rush down the staircase, but Tim, with one of the sentries, guarded this point until a rush of feet below told that the guard was coming to their assistance. It was well that help was at hand, for the conspirators, desperate at finding themselves in a trap, gathered themselves together, rushed with the fury of wild beasts upon Tim and the sentry. One was impaled upon a bayonet, another cut down by Tim. And then, borne back by the weight of their opponents, they were hurled backwards down the stairs. As the assailants followed them with a rush, the guard sprang through the open window from the terrace below into the room. There was a short and desperate conflict. Then two of the conspirators bounded up the staircase onto the roof, ran to the parapet, and leaped over into the valley, two hundred feet below. They were the last of the eighteen men who had lowered themselves from the roof above to attack Charlie. As soon as Tim picked himself up, he hastened to ascend the stairs again and to run to the side of his master. Charlie was insensible leaning against the parapet too weak to stand but still holding his sword and ready to throw himself once more before him stood hussein who now seeing tim approach and that all danger was over dropped the sword and sank upon the ground a minute or two later the rajah himself sword in hand hurried up he was greatly concerned and excited at the sight of which met his eyes charlie was at once lifted and carried down to one of the rajah's own rooms where he was instantly attended to a hasty examination showed that only two of the attacking party still breathed none of those who had fallen above survived so fiercely and deadly had been the blows struck by hossein and tim charlie himself had cut down one and shot another before he fell slashed in many places just as hossein bounded through his assailants the bodies of the dead were, by the Rajah's orders, laid together for identification in the morning. The two who still lived were carried to the guardroom and their wounds dressed, in order that the names of their employers may be obtained from them. In the meantime, Charlie's lieutenants had hastily formed a body of their soldiers together, and these at once fell upon a number of men who were crowding up the steps to the palace, with shouts of death to the Englishmen. A few volleys poured among these and effectually scattered them, and they broke and hurried down the steep road, through the gates to the town, the sentries on the way offering no opposition, but many falling under the fire from the parapet of the fort. In ten minutes all was over. The gates were again closed and a strong guard placed over them, and the attempted insurrection was, as it was at an end. The native surgeon who attended Charlie pronounced that none of the five wounds he had received, although for the most part severe, were necessarily fatal, and that there was every chance of his recovery. Hussein's wounds, three in number, were pronounced to be more dangerous, one being a deep stab in the body given by a man who had rushed at him as he was guarding the blow of another. Tim's wounds were comparatively slight, and he suffered more from bruises he had received 
when hurled backwards down the stone staircase however with one arm in a sling and his head bandaged he was able to take his place by his master's bedside having heard from him that it was entirely due to hossein that charlie's life had been saved the rajah directed that every attention should be paid to him and several times during the night tim stole away to his bedside to press his hand and call down blessings upon him the staunching of his wounds and the application of strong restoratives presently caused charlie to open his eyes the lord be praised mr charles chim said and that you're coming to yourself again we're done for the murdering rascals and plays god you'll soon be about again just drink this draught your honor and go off to sleep if you can in the morning i'll tell you all about it you're in the rajah's own room he continued seeing charlie's eyes wander wonderingly around him and all you got to do is just to lie still and get well as soon as you can it was a fortnight before charlie still very weak and feeble was able to totter from his room to that in which hussein was lying he himself knew nothing of what had passed after he fell the conflict had to him been little more than a dream awakening from sleep by the sound of his assailants as they dropped from the ropes he had leaped up as a rush of figures came towards him catching up his sword and pistol as he did so he had shot the first and had cut down the next who rushed at him but at the same moment he had felt a sharp pain and remembered no more tim heard from hosen when the latter two days after the fight was able to speak that he had suspected that some renewed attempt might be made upon his master's life and that for many nights he had not slept contenting himself with such repose as he could snatch in the daytime between the intervals of preparing meals a few minutes before the attack he fancied he heard a movement on the roof of the house and running to charlie's room he had from the window seen some dark figures sliding down the wall then he roused tim and rushed up to the rescue tim eloquently described to his master the manner in which hossein sprung upon his foes and cut his way through in time to drive back those who were hacking at him as he lay prostrate and how he found him standing over him keeping at bay the whole of his assailants charlie with difficulty made his way to the bedside of the brave mohammedan the latter however did not know him he was in a delirium of fever he was talking rapidly to himself he trusted me he said he gave me my life should i not give mine for him anyone else would have had me hung as a dog i will watch i will watch he shall see that hossein is not ungrateful charlie's eyes filled with tears as he looked at the wasted form of his follower is there any hope for him he asked the doctor it is possible just possible that he may live the latter said allah only knows do all you can to save him charlie said i should be ever grateful to you if you do tim now that his master could dispense with his services transferred his attention to the bedside of hossein and was unremitting in the care and attention with which he kept the bandages on his head cool with fresh water and wetted his hot lips with refreshing drinks it was another week 
before his illness took a turn. Then the fever left him, and he lay weak and helpless as an infant. Strong soups now took the place of the cooling drinks, and in a few days the native doctor was able to say confidently that the danger was past and that Hussein would recover. In the meantime, the investigations of the Rajah had brought to light the details of the conspiracy. The wounded men had confessed that they were employed by three of the principal persons at the Rajah's court, one of them being the Rajah's brother. The information, however, was scarcely needed. As it was found in the morning that the apartments were empty, they having fled with the men who had attacked the gates of the palace. These consisted partly of soldiers whom they had bribed and of desperadoes from the town who had singly entered the fort during the day and had been concealed in the apartments of the conspirators until the signal for the attack was given the intention of the conspirators was not only to kill the englishmen but to dethrone the rajah and install his brother in his place the attack had commenced with the attempt upon charlie's life because it was believed that his death would paralyze the troops who were faithful to the rajah at the end of six weeks charlie was able to resume his duties and his appearances at the parade ground were hailed with enthusiastic shouts by the soldiers the rajah was more attached to him than ever and had again made him large presents in token of the regret that he felt at the suffering he had endured in his cause drilling was now carried on with redoubled energy and large numbers of new levies had been summoned to the standard a storm was gathering over ambor the rajah's brother was raising a force to attack him and had by means of large promises in case of success persuaded morari rio to take up his cause and he had it was said also sent messages to the nizam pointing out that in case of war with the english the rajah of ambor would be a thorn in his side he told of the numbers of troops who had been drilled and how formidable such a force would be if opposed to him at a critical moment while if he the claimant gained power the army of Ambar would be at the disposal of the Nizam. The Rajah, on his side, had also sent messages to Hyderabad, with assurances to the Nizam of his fidelity and friendship. He urged that the preparations he had made were intended solely for the defense of his state against marauding bands of, of Mahrattas, and especially against those of Murari Rio, who was a scourge to all his neighbors. In the meantime, every effort had been made to strengthen the defenses of Ambor. The walls surrounding the town were repaired, and although these in themselves could have offered but a slight defense to a determined assault, the approaches to the town were all covered by the guns of the fort above the weak point of the defence was the hill behind the town this sloped up gradually to a point higher than the level of the projecting rock upon which the castle stood it then rose in ragged in rugged cliffs some two hundred feet higher and then fell away again steeply to its summit this was too far back for the fire of guns placed upon it to injure the castle or town guns placed however at the foot of the rocky wall would dominate the castle and render it at least untenable 
charlie had often looked with anxious eye at this point and one morning accompanied by the rajah he rode up to examine the position the highest point of the slope at the foot of the crag was nearly opposite the castle and it was here that an active enemy making his way along the slope was placed his guns here charlie determined to establish a battery news had arrived that the rajah's brother had raised a force of three thousand men and that with seven thousand mahrattas he was about to march this force charlie felt certain that he could meet and defeat in the open but more disquieting news was that Bussy, hearing that the rajah's troops had been trained by an englishman had advised the nizam to declare for his rival and to send a considerable force to his assistance if necessary fresh messengers were sent off with new assurances of the rajah's loyalty to the nizam it may not do much good charlie said but if we can induce him to remain quiet until we have defeated murari rio it will be so much gained charlie himself dispatched a messenger to mr sanders begging that assistance might be sent to the rajah having decided upon the position for a battery energetic steps were taken to form it a space large enough for the construction of the battery and for the tents and stores of the artillerymen and two hundred infantry was marked out and the rajah ordered the whole population of ambor men and women and children to assist at the work the troops too were all employed and under charlie's superintendence a wondrous change was soon effected the spot chosen was levelled a strong earthware was erected round it and then the surrounding ground was removed this was a work of immense labour the ground consisted first of a layer of soil then of debris which had fallen from the face of the rock above stones and boulders to the depth of some fifteen feet under which was the solid earth the slope resembled an anthill the soldiers and able-bodied men broke up the boulders and rock with sledge-hammers all were necessary with powder and blasted the rock when needed the women and children carried away the fragments in baskets the work lasted for a fortnight at the end of which a position of almost impregnable nature was formed at the foot of the earthworks protecting the guns both at the face and sides the ground composed of great boulders and stones slopes deeply out forming a bank fifteen feet deep at its foot again the solid rock was blasted away so as to form a deep chasm thirty feet wide and ten feet high round the foot of the fort for a hundred yards on each side the earth and stones had been entirely removed down to the solid rock ten guns were placed in the battery and the fire of these swept the slopes behind the town and castle rendering it impossible until the fort was carried for an enemy to attack the town on that side or to operate in any way against the only point at which an attack could be made upon the castle the rajah was delighted at this most formidable ascension to the defensive power of his fortress which was now in a position to defy any attack which could be made against it a store of provisions and ammunitions 
was collected there and the command given to one of charlie's sepoy lieutenants with a hundred trained artillerymen and two hundred infantry numbers of cattle had been driven into town and castle and stores of provisions collected it was but two days after the battery was complete that the news arrived that the rajah's brother with morii rio had entered the rajah's dominions and was marching up the valley to the assault the rajah had in the first place wished to defend a strong gorge through which the enemy would have to pass this having hitherto been considered the defensible point of his capital against an invasion charlie pointed out however that although no doubt a successful defence might be made here it would only be a repulse which would leave the enemy but little weakened for further operations he argued that it was better to allow them to advance to the point where the valley opened out into a plain some two miles wide he had no doubt whatever that the rajah's troops would be able to inflict a crushing defeat upon the invaders who would be so disheartened thereby that they would be little likely to renew the attack two bodies of troops each three hundred strong were sent down to the gorge with orders to remain in hiding among the heights to allow the invading army to pass unmolested and then to inflict the greatest possible loss upon them as they returned these were under the command of another of charlie's lieutenants who received orders from him to erect breastworks of rock on the slopes above the entrance to the gorge after the enemy had passed on and to line these with a portion of his men who should pour a heavy fire into the enemy as they came down the valley while the rest were to line the heights above the gorge and to roll down the rocks upon those who passed through the fire of their comrades the uniforms were served out to the soldiers and charlie surveyed with pride the five battalions of trained troops which with twelve guns marched down into the valley and took up their posts behind it at a point which he had carefully chosen where the guns of the castle would be able to play upon an advancing body of troops a body of trained artillerymen were told off for this service and the last raised levies were posted in the castle and on the walls of the town the position was so chosen that the flanks of the line rested on the slopes on either side these were broken by enclosures and gardens into which on either side half a battalion was thrown forward so as to deliver a flanking fire upon an enemy advancing against the center across the valley two hundred yards in front of the position the stream which watered it made a sharp turn running for some distance directly across it and several small canals for the irrigation of the fields rendered the ground wet and swampy across the line occupied by his troops a breastwork had been thrown up and in front of this rows of sharp pointed stakes had been stuck in the ground altogether the position was a formidable one an hour or two after the position so carefully prepared had been taken up large bodies of mahratta horse 
was seen dashing up the valley and smoke rising from several points showed that they had begun their usual work of plundering and destroying the villages on the way a few discharges from the field pieces those in the castle had been ordered to be silent until the raising of a white flag gave them the signal to open fire checked the advance of the horsemen and these waited until their infantry should arrive the force of morari rio was at that time the most formidable of any purely native army of southern india recruited from desperados from all the maharati tribes well disciplined by its leader it had more than once fought without defeat against bodies of europeans while it had in all cases obtained such victories over other native armies presently the horsemen opened and a compact body of three thousand mahratta infantry accompanied by an equal number of the irregulars of the rajah's brother advanced to the attack while the cavalry at their side swept down upon the flanks of the rajah's position and thirty pieces of artillery opened fire not a shot was fired in return charlie ordering his men to lie down behind the breastworks until they received the word of command to show themselves the mahratta horsemen compelled by the bends of the stream to keep near the foot of the slopes came forward in gallant style until suddenly from every wall and every clump of bushes on the slopes above them a tremendous fire of musketry broke out while the twelve field guns six of which were posted on either side of charlie's centre poured a destructive fire into them so deadly was the rain of iron and lead that mahratta horsemen instantly drew bridle and leaving the ground strewn with their dead galloped back by this time the infantry covered by the fire of their artillery had reached the stream this was waist deep and the banks were some two feet above its level as they scrambled up after crossing it from the line of embankment in front of them a tremendous fire was opened although mowed down in scores the seasoned warriors of the mahratta chief cheered on by his voice as recklessly exposing himself he rode among them pressed forward ever increasing numbers gained a footing across the stream those in front keeping it up a heavy fire at the breastwork whose face was ploughed by their cannon shot as they advanced the guns of the castle opened fire not upon those in front for these were too near the line of entrenchment but upon the struggling mass still crossing the stream into which a ceaseless fire of musketry was poured from the slopes on their flanks still the mahratta infantry struggled bravely on until within a few yards of the entrenchment then suddenly with a mighty shout the rajah's troops leaped to their feet poured a volley from the crest of the breastwork into the enemy and then with fixed bayonets flung themselves upon them the effect was decisive the mahrattas had at the commencement of the fight scarcely outnumbered the troops of the rajah in front of them and had derived but little assistance from the levies of their ally who indeed had contented themselves with keeping up a fire upon the defenders of the slopes they had already suffered very severely 
and the charge made upon them along the whole line was irresistible before the bayonets crossed they broke and fled hotly pursued by the troops of the rajah these in accordance with charlie's orders did not scatter but kept in a close line four deep which advanced pouring tremendous volley into their foe in vain did murari rio endeavour to rally his men his infantry all order lost fled at the top of their speed their flight covered by their cavalry who sacrificed themselves in two or three brilliant charges right up to the line of pursuers although suffering terribly from the withering volleys poured into their ranks in vain did morai rio endeavour to rally his men his infantry all order lost fled at the top of their speed their flight covered by the cavalry who sacrificed themselves in two or three brilliant charges right up to the line of pursuers although suffering terribly from the withering volleys poured into their ranks the troops were now formed into heavy columns and these rapidly marched down the valley after their flying enemy an hour later the sound of heavy firing was heard in front and at redoubled speed the troops pressed onward when they arrived however at the gorge they found that the last of the fugitives had passed through the ground in front was strewn with dead and dying for as the mass of fugitives had arrived at the gorge the infantry from above had opened fire upon them several times the frightened throng had recoiled but at last impelled by the greatest fear of their pursuers behind they had dashed forward through the fire only to fall in hundreds in the gorge crushed beneath the rain of rocks showered down upon them from above End of chapter 13